You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 139. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Continuing on with our conversation, the last couple episodes have been about stigma and values. Now we're going to discuss communication because the way you communicate with others will absolutely build bridges or break bridges down. It will build a connection or build a wall between that connection. And we've talked about how our stigmas and our values are aligned, how they're tied together. What you value will cause you to stigmatize people who are outside of your bubble outside of the group you have decided to be involved in, regardless if the group is just you or a hundred million people. There is the values and stigmas are aligned. Well, so let's now discuss how we can communicate with others more effectively so that we can begin to build bridges rather than burn them. How we can lower walls, lower our fences, and we can actually communicate with those around us who have differing values and belief systems. Those that we may have once stigmatized, we are now ready to embrace. And there's a couple key key ways that we're going to do this, uh, that we're going to talk about this, because there's obviously some very, very intuitive ways that you're probably already utilizing in your college experience that I want to make sure that we talk about and touch base upon right now so that as we discuss this and you start to see ways that you can begin to envision yourself shifting the way that you talk and communicate with people so that you can feel more of this embracing of other ideas. I really want to make sure we have a strong grasp on the variations that come through the way that we talk, through the way that we discuss, through the way that we even ask questions. The vision you have for your life, the clarity that comes from seeing things through a different lens, through a different perspective, will absolutely alter the way that you hear, the way that you truly listen. Which, is, which means that the embracing of other people's, the ability to sit down with others and really, really bond with them in those moments of conversation will, will change everything about the way that you experience your life. Motivating yourself to do this is all on you. I can merely inspire how you understand it, how you absorb it, how you embrace it, how you, how you go off and you interact with this knowledge and, and, and begin to, to shift your own perceived behavior patterns and begin to habituate this into your life is all on you. Personal responsibility dictates that you won't complain or blame or make excuses anymore for yourself, that you begin to step into a more powerful communication strategy. It is without, I mean, I, I can't even begin to stress the importance. It is, it, is, it is without provocation that I say this, that when you begin to communicate powerfully, you begin to build bridges strongly, ones that can last a lifetime. So let's dive into this. There are some major components that we're going to get into, and then we'll start to talk about, obviously, active listening is extremely important. And so when we think about this active listening, rather than just passively hearing somebody talk, it's your ability to listen with the desire to understand and comprehend. People, when they talk to you, 
they're, they're, they're using the three core components of communication, which is physiology, body language, tonality, and their words. And so we're going to get into body language here in a moment. But when somebody is talking to you, their body language and their tonality is going to play a huge role in how they say their words. And when you're really listening for the deeper meaning of what it is that they're communicating to you, what it is they're really feeling in that moment, that's when you take active listening to a whole nother level. You're talking about being fully present, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, on a social level that has never been taught. We don't teach active listening. We don't teach comprehension and understanding. When some, when teacher says, all right, kids, focus up. Focus up, kids. Time to focus up. They don't ever really tell us what focusing up means. Does that mean looking at your face? Does that mean looking at your hands? Looking at the chalkboard? Right? What if focusing up to a kid is, is looking down at the book, but, but still able to hear what the teacher is saying? Nobody ever teaches us what focus is. Nobody ever teaches us what paying attention is. They simply say it, just assuming that we all have the same internal representation, this same internal picture of what focusing means. So when you start to ask yourself, how do you actively listen? How do you get your body involved? How do you get emotionally involved? How do you get mentally involved? How do you get spiritually involved? And spiritual isn't necessarily religion. We've talked about this before. It's more about your values, your beliefs, your opinions, right? Like how are you getting your, right? Do you immediately block somebody else because they value things differently than you because you've stigmatized them? Well, now it's going to be much more uh, of an effort to actively listen to what they say when you've already got a stigma around, well, you're a Democrat, so therefore anything you say is going to go against my values. I've already stigmatized what a donkey is. I'm an elephant, therefore F you. Well, now what active listening are you going to have? Because in your head, you're going to be rejecting almost everything they say. Even if they say, I love the sun, it makes me warm. Inside, you might be like, well, you know, I guess the sun, but you know, the sun also dries out the land and causes all the crops to die. Oh, yeah, it does that. I didn't say I didn't like that. I just simply said I love the sun because it makes me warm. Didn't even say anything about the crops. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm talking about how the sun makes me warm, and you want to bring in something else because it's just going to continue to feed towards your stigma of how my values are different than yours. So how are we going to begin to actively listen? Right, so there's some major components here, and first and foremost, it's well. I got to stop saying first and foremost, as if that's always the most important thing. But because studies have been done, saying, and I just used the word "but," so I negated what I just said about not using first and foremost. Language patterns—they're important. They're important. Language patterns are important. So uh, first and foremost, I should release that and and just simply say one of the components of active listening is because all of them are important and and which is inclusive whereas but is exclusive it's it's a, it's a contraction and is expansive and studies have been done that that show that a major part of communication is our body language is our physiology the other one is tonality which makes up about 30-ish percent of communication, and 7% is words. So when you do the math, that's, that's about 60%. That's just body language. It's one of the reasons why we had a hard time communicating as a society during the pandemic, because we weren't around each other a lot. We didn't get to feed off the body language. We were doing things over Zoom where we're flat, 
two-dimensional or we're doing things over the phone so we didn't get to see the body language you can certainly hear body language when somebody's excited you assume that they're not sitting there slumped over on their couch laying down right like even now as i do this podcast i'm sitting in a chair but i'm leaning forward i got my elbows resting on my knees i'm very much active and moving my hands a lot there's still a physiological response to me saying these words even though you can't see them i am very much in movement your body language if it's open and ready to receive communication, will be a huge determination on whether somebody feels a connection with you while they are communicating with you. All right? Some people will, will and I'm going to throw out some here, realizing that not everybody's interpretation of these uh, physiological shifts in your body will be the same. There are tendencies like, let's say one of the ones I highlighted here was folding your arms. Some people think folding your arms is being closed off. Other people just don't know what to do with their hands. So you could fold your arms just to give you something to do with your arms. I like to, I like to open my, my posture, my, my legs really wide and put my arms behind my back like I'm in the military. It just sort of gives me, like I get really firm and it's like a leader state. I'm very firm and my feet are strong. They're planted into the ground and my arms are behind me completely open to what's being said. I get very mindful of that because the interpretation many people have when arms are folded is that they are closed off. You are closed off to what they are saying to you. Are you standing up straight? Are you touching your face a lot? Are you moving around? Are you are you bouncing back and forth from foot to foot? Foot to foot. Are you having like these nervous ticks going on? Right? This is how your body language is saying something to the person receiving you in that moment. Eye contact. Are you are you looking up side to side, down a lot? Are you staring? Are you breaking eye contact whenever they're they're seeking to really engage with you at an emotional level? Now, I can't, now, just because somebody looks up or side to side or down doesn't mean that they're negating what you say. They're not open to what you say. The way your eyes move actually is an indication of where you are in your mind um, embracing the information. When you look up, you're in your visual field of your brain. When you look side to side, you're in your auditory visual of your brain. And when you look down, you're in your kinesthetic and auditory digital frame of mind. And auditory digital is um, you talking to yourself. So when you're looking down, you're talking to yourself, you're feeling things deeper. When you're side to side, you're auditory. When you're looking up, it's visual. So a lot of people think when you look up, it's immediate indication that you're lying. That isn't actually what it is. There are ways of knowing which side of your eyes are going, whether you're creating information rather than um, just recalling information. But it does just because you looked up does not mean that you're lying, nor does it mean that you're uninterested. It just means that that's where your brain is going to seek information in that moment. And as far as your physiology goes, um, again, how are you moving it around? What are your eyes doing? What are your hands doing? What are your feet doing? How are you physiologically opening up? If you're having a deep conversation on the couch with your partner, do you both turn to face one another rather than sitting there with your, your, your entire core you know, chest, upper body facing outward and your arms are folded and you're slouched over? Meanwhile, they're facing you and they got their legs crossed and they're using their hands to communicate. You both have a block already built in based on your own physiological variations that you're presenting to one another. So you can be, so you can shift your physiology to open up to one another. You can sit down calmly and rather than having little ticks, rather than you know moving your foot or 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 tapping the table. These are different ways your physiology is expressing what's going on internally to the person who's talking to you 
and now they're receiving it externally. What's happening internally is being presented externally, and then they are taking that in as information. Right? And then obviously that is a major, these are all major components of your physiology. When we go into tonality, we start to tell how fast are you speaking? I speak very fast in these podcasts because I'm very visual. So I'm I'm really I'm I'm asking of myself to create this world for you that I want you to be able to absorb into. So auditory and visual people talk somewhat faster because they really they they want to express things uh like on a much broader scale whereas people who talk slower are considered kinesthetic. Kinesthetic people they feel they really feel what they're saying in order to express the feelings, then they, they will have a tendency, again, not always, but a tendency to talk slower because that is their optimal way of expressing their feelings. So when you start talking about tonality, the speed in which you talk, the cadence, right? How do you group your words? Do you group your words like me, where there are like five to 10 of them per content block? Or do you talk really fast and so everything sounds like a run-on sentence and you don't really know where it starts and where it stops and then all of a sudden you're going to change the topics and there's a squirrel and then there's a bicycle. I love bicycles. Bicycles are awesome. Rubber on bicycle tires always fascinates me. It's nothing but air. So whenever a hole is poked into it, all of a sudden it's flat. Right? When somebody talks like that, it can be a little bit more difficult to take in all that information unless you're also a communicator who speaks like that. Right? Is your voice high-pitched, low-pitched? Is it baritone? Is it gravelly like this and deep? Or is it really high like Mickey Mouse where it almost sounds like it's alto? Hey, kids, how are you doing today? Well, I'm Kermit the Frog, and I want everybody to understand that being a Muppet is one of the best things on the planet. I mean, Mickey Mouse, Kermit the Frog, Cookie Monster, they all have a cadence. They have a tone, right? Their tonality is speaking volumes about the message that they're seeking to express to you. When the cookie monster is going ballistic on some cookies, his arms are moving around, he's acting wildly erratic, right? And then whenever he's calm and he's trying to get a, a point of view about how cookies aren't any time food, he speaks slower, right? There's a, do you know, do you, now that I bring this into your perception, into your awareness, are you noticing how in these Muppets and in these puppets that people have used to communicate, whether it's on Sesame Street or Muppets, have been teaching us physiology and tonality for years? For a lot of children, this is where they're gaining their first understanding of how to use their physical body and their tonality and the cadence of their words in order to express what it is they desire in any given moment. And then obviously you have your words. We've talked a lot about words. We'll get more into language patterns uh, later on um, because we think are the words that we use are really imp- are, are the primary source of communicating. But now through what we've just discussed, we realize over, well over 90% is actually your physical body and your tonality. I, I talk about positive language patterns all the time. And in fact, this is 139. We are going to make 140 our words, how we say the world, uh, our words. I'm typing this into my show notes right now and moving it over so that it's in the proper order waiting for us. So I remember to do that. So communication. How are other ways that we can use, we're not going to get into the strategic way that we use certain words, like how I prefer to say and over but, or say desirable over bad. It's like it's desirable over good, undesirable over bad, you know, healthy over you know, bad, unhealthy over 
bad. Like there's certain ways that I really strive to communicate to you using very positive language patterns. Because I realized a long time ago, if you get deep into this, and one day this will be 500 episodes long, and if every episode's three. 30 minutes, and we know many of them are longer. Now, all of a sudden, I've had an opportunity to to um, unconsciously uh, inv- invite you to speak with more positive language patterns for 250 hours. It's a lot of freaking hours. So I understood at a very early stage of this podcast that my language patterns were going to be important. Whenever I coach people up, whenever I get into communication opportunities, another really great way to step into active listening is to ask open-ended questions. Do you like it when your partner shuts you down? No. How does it make you feel when your partner shuts you down? Then when you ask a question that's open-ended, you can actually begin to create a conversation. If you give people a reason, or not even a reason, but a way to give you short and sweet, and you already know they're prone to giving short and sweet answers, if you only, how was your day? Good. Rather than, tell me about second period English class. You know, what was, what was something really cool that your teacher taught you today? That's going to get them to talk specifically about that class. They're able, when you say day, there's so many different things that could have happened. It's, it's too broad. Whenever you can begin to uh, section the day off into certain moments, into certain classes or certain opportunities, now people can say, oh, okay. Well, you know, you know, maybe your friend's a bartender or a waiter at work and they come home and they seem exasperated. Well, how was work? Oh, it was crap. Versus, you know, uh, I'm sensing that you seem really exasperated about work. Was it the employees um, or was it the guests who really did something? And what was a specific moment whenever you really got, you know, uh, upset tonight or really got put into a state of bother? Now they're going to be able to tell you, oh, my goodness, well, the hostess, you know, quadruple sat me four tops and two of them didn't, you know, have glasses. And I had to get them the big menus and three of them didn't know how to use the QR code on the table. And then, uh, you know, four of them asked for these really super complicated milkshakes I had to go make. And, you know, now all of a sudden they're able to open up more because you've directed the conversation in a, in a manner that they will unconsciously realize is an invitation to discuss more and at a deeper level which will instigate a conscious reaction to share more. It's amazing. So ask open-ended questions. If it can be answered with yes or no, or one or two words, then it's not an open-ended question. Also, once they do give you information, are you able to paraphrase it and summarize it? Well, you know, oh, you know, this is what I am hearing. What I am hearing is you say that your hostess quadruple sat you and then your tables were extremely difficult. So, and then you could go into something deeper. So what would you have preferred to have had happen? Right? Well, I would have preferred if the hostess would have spaced out my tables. Oh, okay. Okay. And then is there, was there an opportunity to communicate this with them? Is that something that you can, you know, you're able to do at work that you feel comfortable with? No, the managers told us not to question the host or hostesses because, you know, we know from experience and then they'll screw us and not sit us any tables the rest of the night. Ah, okay. Now you can start getting into problem-solving mode, which is just opening yourself up to solution opportunities that already exist. One's awareness may not be um, capable of seeing them in that moment, experiencing, hearing them, feeling them. Another way to paraphrase and summarize would be to say, what I am seeing when you describe this, what I am seeing when you, uh, what I am seeing you, when you picture, you know, when you, uh, right, what I am seeing when you uh, picture your work tonight for me is you 
getting four tables and running around like a chicken with your head cut off. All the while, the way you envisioned the night going was that you were able to give good service because your table showed up um, at a, you know very well spaced out. And now you can help them get into solution opportunity mode. Another way to paraphrase, what I'm feeling from you right now is. So we've got three I just introduced you to. More than likely, I've already told you about these, but now we're really, really sectioning them off in this show. What I'm hearing is, what I'm seeing is, what I'm feeling. Right? You just simply, right, this isn't what they said. It's what you have interpreted it as. So what you, so you're telling me that the hostess sucks and your guests suck. It's not what they said. What they said was the hostess didn't properly space out their tables based on their needs. For another server, quadruple sitting somebody may have been awesome. I loved it because I just treated them like a 16 top. And then I just went to each table, bam, bam, bam. Then I went and got all their drinks, bam, bam, bam. And I was like, hey, guys, I just got four tables in a row. I'm going to get everybody drinks, and then I'm going to come and get your orders in the order you were sat, your table number three. Now they understood, and boom, boom, boom. Then I would literally go get everybody's order, boom, 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 boom. Go get the order, put it in the micro, get the order, put it in the micro, get the order, put it in the micro, and just bam, bam, bam. And now they were all good. And I was able to space out my orders for the kitchen. So the orders coming from me weren't just all 16 people at once, but instead it was about five minutes in between because... It took me time to go get the order and then come back and put it into the computer. Now, what they're experiencing, the cooks back there, is of somebody who is evenly spacing out the meals so that they're not trying to make 16 dishes at once. Everybody's expecting a different arrival time of their food based on when I took their order. So whenever I'm talking to somebody about what they experience in their jobs or careers, I like to use what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, or what I'm feeling, depending on what... I've noticed them, you know, if they're using a lot of auditory words, then I'm hearing it. If they're using a lot of visual words, I'm seeing it. Well, you know, I just felt really uh, discombobulated and overwhelmed. Okay, so what I'm feeling from you is that there was a lot of discombobulation and overwhelm, and that left you feeling, and then you get to open it up to more conversation, right? And this is what we're seeking when we want to to build a bridge, to release stigmatization. Oh, well, you're just lazy, and you just don't know how to do your job. That's not what that person was trying to tell you whenever they went into the quadruple seating by the hostess. That is not at all. You are mind reading and you're making that up because you might value hard work and you might think they're lazy. So you're coming into it with a confirmation bias that blocks you from actually hearing what that person was experiencing. And then, then another thing to be paying attention to is reflect on the content, the feelings, and the emotions behind the meanings of the words they're saying. Ask for for clarification around what you think they mean by what they are saying. Instead of mind reading what it is, use those sentences I literally just gave you. What I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. This is, these are clarification questions. It allows them to fill in the blanks rather than you mind reading and putting them in there. Because if they're prone to not to disagree with you because they don't really want to start a fight, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. The hostess sucks. I suck. Everybody sucks, sucks. And then they just go away. And any kind of healing, any kind of uh, voice, you know, they wanted to, they wanted their voice to be heard. When you mind read, you put your voice in place of their voice. And that is not going to be something that builds a bridge and connects them to you in that moment with that conversation. And you do that kind of behavior over a long period of time, and they're just going to habituate that level of behavior from you when they want to share. And so in the future, they'll come home from work and say, yep, work was fine, work was great. And then they're going to go in their room and close the door, and you're not going to realize they're actually in there very sad and dejected because they weren't able to do the kind of job they wanted to do because 
of events that happened that were outside of their control. Also, when you're reflecting on the content and the feelings and the emotions, listen to the content of what they say because it's describing their point of view. It's describing their model of the world. Oh, it was just super busy and it was chaotic and the cooks were screaming at us. All right, their point of view in that moment was that the whole place was chaotic, that people weren't getting along and that they were being they were they were engaging in a um rather um unpleasant way toward one another. So that was their that was their point of view in the moment. And now all of a sudden they got quadruple sat. How might that change their experience of the of the quadruple sat of the four tables of four people being sat at one time? Their model of the world, their point of view absolutely will determine how they embraced getting 16 people at, at four different tables at once. And then also be reflecting on their feelings and the emotions that are coming to you from their tone, from the speed of their words, from their body language. Be taking this entire episode and recognizing and being aware of how their feelings and their emotions are being presented to you through their physiology while they tell you the story, through their tone while they communicate this experience to you. When you're able to embrace this powerful communication, opportunity I've invited you to uh, learn and now go off and apply and evaluate in your own life. When you're able to embrace this as your new active listening mannerisms, behaviors, and eventually habits, it will be amazing to you how much people warm up to your questions, how much people warm up to your communication, how much people want to talk and share with you. It may not mean that they will want to communicate back the same way. It may not mean that they understand this at your level. And you might want to introduce them to this episode if you would like for them to start communicating with you in this manner. But it absolutely means that you can now communicate in this manner, which is the first step in building that bridge toward connection. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow, the wise mind empowerment tribe, it's waiting for you. See y'all soon. Bye-bye.